This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 196. Hey, veterinary friends. Welcome to the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast. Um, Today, I have a really special guest. I'm so excited. Her name is Lynn Bowman, and she is a best-selling author of a book on Amazon, and it is called Brownies for Breakfast a cookbook for diabetics and the people who love them. She is also a pet owner and animal lover that I just discovered, and I'm really excited to meet her. She's going to teach us about all things uh, healthy eating, I think. Right, Lynn? I hope so. (laughs) But I have to correct you. I am owned by my pets, and I'm sure that other people share my... (laughs) Yeah, definitely are all all trained and owned by our pets. I, I agree with you. My, um, I never get to sleep in because my dog Trent is like, honey, 630, it's time to eat. <laughs> that's right. And and mine are big and hairy. I, I have two mutts who are snow dogs. Nice. Um, and and they are, but they are a mess. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it, it's constant. And They're big, but big lap dogs, right? They are big lap dogs, exactly. Yeah. So and so different. Julie, from any dog, and I'm a lifelong dog enthusiast and have been owned by a continual stream of various, but they were usually herding dogs, working dogs. That's what I have, Shelties. Yeah. And snow dogs are different. They're Uh, so different. All of you all who knew that before I did, I, uh, I was bereft. I had lost a dog. My daughter called me and she sent me pictures of these puppies. Okay. And that's always where it starts. And she said, there's a dog right here that you need. You need to drive to Chico, which is about a three hour drive for me and get this one little dog. And so, uh, you know, what idiots we are about our animals. (laughs) I get in the truck with my husband. We drive to Chico and I sit down on the floor. And yes, this little female comes running over, jumps in my lap. There's my girl. But right behind her is this little male who is not going to be left behind. So. I drove home with two, two snow dogs um, <laughs> are, you know, just shy of a hundred pounds a piece. Wow. Most of that's hair. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they are such interesting creatures. They are just so fascinating. They're, they're very different than a quote working dog. Yes. And the, the guy who was breeding them was breeding them to run the Iditarod. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a serious musher. Um, and and yeah these dogs can pull and they can run and so on but you never want to let them out the gate because they will run for 50 miles yeah and then and never come back (laughs) what happened to you where'd you go right what happened Uh, yeah they're definitely runners i i a friend of mine has uh two of them and they have to be so careful that they don't get out the door because they'll just go that's what they they do So we had to rebuild all of our fencing and everything, but it's okay. <laughs> we love them. And, and I'm a horsewoman and I, I lost my mare last October. So share with all of you who have to deal with this frequently. Um, losing a horse is kind of, uh, it's different. It's special. Uh, you know, she was mine for, or I was hers for 23 years. And um, she was bossy and pushy and uh, very, uh, I don't know, what do you, she was a diva, you know? Yeah. And 
and a pain in the butt in many ways, but such a character and um, she's gone. So, yeah. uh, you know, we, tough. you know, those of you who, who do large animals, it's, it's such a special calling um, danger all the time, but there is with dogs too, right? Right, I mean, right. Uh, animals, who knew? Yeah, animals are great. <laughs> they are great. So, yeah. so tell me about what you do, how you got into it. I mean, I know you're a writer, but how? why food? Like, how did this all start for you? Health and all the things. Well, I think it started, Julie, I, uh, when I was 18, I lost my mom. And, you know, that changes your whole I life. Imagine it does. She she died of a chronic disease, which she couldn't have helped. It was kidney disease. But I was so affected by it. And only now do I realize how, and, and there's a book I want to recommend to everyone. If you haven't read Gabor Mate's new book, it's called The Myth of Normal. For anyone who is in healthcare or dealing with, with um, behavioral issues of any kind, Please pick it up and read it if you can, because we all have trauma. It's just a matter of what kind and where and by whom and how we dealt and so on. And, mm -hmm. and, and so I just now I'm looking back on how my mother's health or lack of health affected my whole life's path. And I was diagnosed in my early 40s with type 2 diabetes. Mm. And I was also the single mother by then of three little ones, uh, three, I mean, all in pampers at the same time in those days. Uh, so I resolved that I would do whatever I had to do to stay on my feet. I was the single source of income and sustenance for the kids. So I was not going to leave them. I was going to do what I had to do. So I started researching. I had always cooked because I never had any money. <laughs> Right. So, so you know, yeah, if you don't have money, it's better to cook, right? <laughs> yeah. And and the, and I graduated from high school in 1964, which I mentioned for a couple of reasons. One, yes, I'm old. That's true. I'm going to own that. Um, but the, it was a seminal time when we were all kind of nuts. You know, it was Vietnam War, and we were all going to be hipsters and so on. And um, it just it was an interesting time to come crashing into adulthood and I do mean crash um, so didn't have any money but I because my mother was ill a lot of time, I knew how to put a meal together fast and cheap and then when my kids came along I was determined that it would be healthy and then as time went along I realized nobody else really knew how to do that because everybody else was eating at McDonald's or you know the taco taqueria or something. We were all too busy to care a whole lot about food. I didn't go the culinary school chef route. I didn't have time for that. Um, but I could put a meal together and I cared about it. And I, I liked to eat and I wanted to eat. So if you're diabetic, you're kind of on your own. You have to figure that out. All I was told by the medical establishment back in the day was keep your weight down, which if any of you are diabetic, you know that's very difficult because you have this whole hormone thing happening that prevents you from- Yeah, all that insulin resistance and all that, right? 
and no one ever there was no such thing as insulin resistance you know that didn't that uh-huh. wasn't a thing. no <clears throat> no so what they told you was don't eat any carbs don't eat starchy vegetables just eat meat and green vegetables um and i rec- you used to be way back in the day that the way they treated type 1 diabetes was with eggs and greens and that's what you got to eat nothing else um <clears throat> but now thank goodness we know a lot more and so i started really experimenting with everything and a life changing thing for me was and i made my living as a marketing person i like to say i'm a recovering marketing person um and uh, and so food was sort of a thing that I love to do, and I wrote about it occasionally. But I went to, I was really drawn to go to a, um, <clears throat> a seminar, a gathering in 2019 of plantricians, uh, which is what they call themselves. These are docs, MDs from all over the world who, and this isn't that long ago, but they were renegades, mavericks. They were doctors who believed that they were healing with food, which of course the medical establishment just went up, you know, no. Uh, But these were classically trained allopathic docs who were going, and they included some big names you might know. Um, uh, E. Colin Campbell, those of you who have read anything about, uh, he did the China studies, a big seminal book for nutrition uh, work. And Dean Ornish has been in the headlines on and off for many, many years, decades, because he came out and said, you can reverse heart disease. And of course, everybody said, no, you can't. He said, yes, you can. And you do it with food. And he he had the receipts. He could prove it. But still, you know, this. so these guys were gathering in Oakland, California. And I went, you know, I'm not an MD, but I'm writing about them and I want to go. And so I signed up spent my money and and signed up and for five days i watched powerpoints talk about torture uh, on (laughs) On nutrition right yes okay (laughs) those of us we go through vet school and we have to take nutrition so i think a lot of us know that that is a little painful (laughs) very painful so this was from eight in the morning until eight at night Plus, then we would gather around the communal table to eat. And of course, I'm going, this is not good food. I see that it's (laughs) pets and everything, but come on, people, you should be sort of demonstrating. It was at a big hotel. They, you know, they probably never done a vegan or a vegetarian event in their whole careers, but that's what it was. So I would pick at the food and then go back and sit down and watch more PowerPoints five days. But here was the thing. It was data and more data and more data. And you can't look at that data and listen to these guys who are doing the surgery on people who are cutting open eight, 10 year old kids whose veins are all full of plaque. You can't listen to their stories and look at these slides and not go, go. What are we doing to ourselves? Huh? What in the world are we doing to ourselves? What am I doing to myself? Right. So I, I had gone to this event with this book half done. I had a little piece that was kind of about it. And I, my plan was to talk to these docs and say, is this something you could use? You know, would this be helpful to you? Well, that plan, plan went out the window because I wanted to come home and completely redo what I was doing. 
I shouldn't say completely. A lot of what I had was useful, but I got them. My husband picked me up <clears throat> and I said that thing that every husband dreads more than anything. You're all familiar with this. I said, honey, guess what? <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> I said, I'm a vegan now. And he said, oh, it was kind of quiet. And a few more blocks. And he said, okay, I'm in. I, I truly love this man. 33 years next month. Um, so we instantly, immediately came home, threw out anything that needed to be thrown out. It wasn't vegan. It wasn't vegan. And we were vegans because I was determined. I had just had my blood work done. Yeah. And I was going to use myself and my husband as my research subjects to confirm what I had just seen in this big hoo-ha. And that's when you were, you, had you already been diagnosed with the diabetes? Yes. I was diagnosed in my forties. So I had maintained pretty good numbers for a diabetic, right. but I told as everyone who has experienced this has been told it's a progressive disease. This doesn't get better. It's progressive. So just, be prepared as you get older. This does not get any better. It's going to have to, we'll have to increase Sorry. your medications. Yeah. yeah. So uh, six months, Julie, I was absolutely, totally, I had not one cell of plant food, to my knowledge, in my body. Husband, same thing. He may have cheated, but I don't know about it. So that makes it okay. <laughs> And uh, six months came and it was time for me to go back, get my numbers done. And lo and behold, my hemoglobin A1C. And if you don't know what that is, you need to know what that is, everybody. You do these tests on critters and you know about the critters. Uh, so I just, I don't know how the language changes when you talk about human uh, blood work, but my hemoglobin A1C, my blood glucose over three months came down substantially. A number of points. just from going from regular whatever your regular diet was to the vegan diet getting rid of animal food yeah that was that did that the trick. that was it and i mean this is that i mean because i was exercising and i was eating i was doing everything that that and all the things all the things so, alrighty then, uh, then I was really in it and on it. And I started researching the other people who were out there talking about it and rewrote my book, published the book because all of a sudden in my hands, I had this thing is people, this is how you do it. <laughs> this is how you do it. And this goes for heart disease, for fatty liver, all these chronic problems that Americans are 80 plus percent of us have a chronic disease that is Great. preventable right. and reversible. And you're not doing it. Are you? Are you? Good. Um, I, you know, this is, this is such magic to me, but now the uphill battle is getting the word out. And getting people to believe you and getting people, the, the thing is that, and, and I know we're not talking about animals yet, and that's a thing we're going right. to talk about, Right. but that's, this is what I'm about. I'm about how 
simple it is to change your health, which changes everything you do. So if you are standing over sick animals all day and they're bereft, uh, the people who are owned by those sick animals, um, chances are, and I know a lot of veterinarians and love some of them, and um, we're not far from one of the best veterinary schools in the world, I think, at UC Davis, mm -hmm. um, just helped ship off a little 18-year-old um, the other day. I'm so excited about her being there. Um, this is a thing that affects your mental health. It affects your physical health. It affects everything you do in your career. And um, the thing that I've more than once said to people in this, in the field that you're in, veterinary medicine, I know for a fact that you care more about what your Labrador retriever is eating than what you are eating. That's we, true. I mean, I, I think that that's very true. And, um, you know, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to bring you on here to try to just have that conversation. Like, even if um, you want to get a little bit better, like what, what are the steps, you know? So I'm I've excited. got it right here. <laughs> you got it all figured out. Yes. Be, because yeah. it's not, there's nothing complicated about, it. I mean, there are plenty of people out there charging you to take a course or, you know, to come to, you know, enroll, come stay in my spa for a week, right. whatever that. And I encourage, if you want to do that, great, but it is so much simpler. And again, bringing it back to the dogs. I, I mean, I'm giving my dogs, one of them gets Apoquel and the other one, they both get salmon oil and um, uh, they get the little round pills that uh, are good. And the other one gets Rimadyl and, you know, look at what we do with our pets. And then we feed them. I buy this horribly expensive organic, you know, specially prepared food for senior dogs because right. they're 12 now. And then I grind up little things and I give them little eggs and I do the, I mean, oh my gosh, right? What yeah. we do so that in my case, it's Hedy and Vigo. So the Hedy and Vigo, have exactly what they need so their coat will be shiny so their skin won't itch what about your coat you know what about your skin what about your teeth right yeah it and and it, I, so many vets that i know are women and i think this is a theory i don't know but what takes you into the business to begin with is is being loving people um sometimes Great. it involves loving animals more than people. I get it. Um, <laughs> a lot of people say that. Yeah, That's with our lines. We like animals better than people. <laughs> exactly. But that goes to your self-love. And I think many of y'all um, are reluctant to give yourself the loving care that you give these critters. And, and so that's why I'm here because I want you to give yourself that loving care. And, and it's, it's not as hard as you think. I mean, the basis of it is eat real food, which is what you would process, right? That's right. And you would tell your patients the same thing, mm -hmm. right? Right. Eat real food. 
eat whole food. Things that come off the trees or out of the ground and, you know, leave the skin on if you can. Whole food, real food, plant-based. So I don't mean eat the whole buffalo or the whole cow. <laughs> I eat the whole pear, <laughs> right? Yeah. Eat, eat the whole arugula leaf, um, plant-based. I do eat some, a very small, I eat some salmon. I eat some shrimp because they're easy. You know, I can find, I can source really good fresh salmon and you can freeze shrimp beautifully, pull it out. You can have it on the table in 10 minutes in a salad or, you know, just heat it up or whatever. And it's healthy for you. It's good for you. And then every once in a while, I will have a little grass fed and finished flat iron steak that I buy from my neighbors at our little uh, farmer's market. I live right in the middle of uh, an agricultural area, which is kind of an epicenter for regenerative ag. So most everybody I know either is living next door to or connected to somehow a ranch or a farm that is trying very hard to be conscious of the earth, of the critters, of themselves, of the neighborhood. So I can literally drive into town about three miles and pass the steers you know, that are going to be, but but they live a good life. And yeah, they are, they're out free and in eating grass, right? Free. They're so how do you how do you jive that eating the salmon and the beef once in a while with the like the term vegan? Cause I have a, I have a sister and brother-in-law who are vegan and they don't touch anything. And that's, that's fine. Animal product, that's, the product. You are perfectly healthy. That's why I say though, plant based. Based. So you okay. can interpret that as most everything that you eat is plant. Right. Or everything that you eat is plant. And okay. to me, it's an, a religious thing, particularly um, maybe it's sort of philosophical. If I'm going to eat an animal, yes, believe me, I I do a little ritual. Think and about I, it. <laughs> think about it. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And but I also I live I'm I live out in the country, and I told you before we start recording, we lost an owl the other day. I mean, I, I I'm used to how nature works, and for example, eggs. Vegans don't eat eggs. Right. Um, eggs are fabulous food. If you choose to eat them, I, you can use egg substitutes, but my book is written that way. Everything is, if you want to add meat, okay, do this. If you want to have eggs, do this. If not do this, because it's your choice. You can right. choose and still have a healthy plant based way of eating. Nothing wrong with being vegan, except here's the ugly truth, Julie. <laughs> Most vegans I know eat crap. They eat sugar. They eat processed flour, especially those beautiful 22-year-old girls who are coming out of UCSC, University of California, Santa Cruz, you know, in their short shorts and everything. I'm vegan. Yeah. And you are eating the worst possible food because it's convenient. Right. And it's yummy. So it doesn't do you any good other than philosophically maybe to be vegan if you're not nourishing yourself with whole food, real food, plant-based food. Right. 
Yeah. Tell me about um, your owl. I want you to tell that story. Uh, what? Yeah. I want the listeners to hear it. <laughs> well, we we do. We're right at the edge of the redwoods, and so we have a beautiful ecosystem of critters. We are famous for having to get a mountain lion out of our elementary school not too long ago. It made the papers everywhere. Um, and and we all know them by their first names and numbers. So we have lions and bobcats and so on. And we have quite a bird population and you get to know them and they know you, you know, they absolutely know you. And the other night, middle of the night, I heard an owl and it didn't sound right. I thought, my God, she's distressed. She's crying. There's something really wrong. Um, and then I heard her move from one tree to another tree, cried some more and they hunt at night. So, and they hunt silently. So there was something really wrong. And then the next morning we woke up and there she was. She, she had died and uh, she was on the ground, which is heartbreaking for us. I mean, these are our people you know, yeah. our friends <laughs> part of your and, community and particularly in, in a in a more uh, crass way she'd been eating my gophers thank heavens it's like you know she she was allied with me fighting the gophers for our territory right it, it's heartbreaking especially because i know the most and i didn't take her and have her autopsy i know that it's rodenticide it's poison that she has taken in because she ate a rat or a mouse that someone had poisoned. Yeah. It happens frequently. And I, I want every one of you to remind your clientele to not use rodenticide because you also kill the rabbits, the squirrels, the, you know, you, you kill everything in the chain, mm -hmm. including birds and um yes i know that the blue jays are a pain at times and so on but i none of us want to be doing that i don't think and and people just aren't aware um I, i'm surprised still because we care so much but there are people who just aren't aware that when they put that poison out for sometimes for raccoons they'll do it um it it kills everything up and down the chain. Yeah. So please don't do it. It's, I mean, we use electronic traps. We do trap rats and mice. Yes. But right. they are killed instantly, electronically. Um, and they, nothing gets hurt, but that mouse and that mouse's family, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. And their family, <laughs> their family. And believe me, I think about that. I, we're all suckers for these little things. You know? I know one time I, I used to go to my kid's band camp and, uh, I was kind of in charge. And I remember one morning, these girls called me from their cabin and they were screaming because they had seen a mouse. <laughs> and so I had to call the camp director and he came over and he set some mouse traps. Well, then the next morning they called me and they were really screaming because they caught a mouse in their mouse traps. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah. And they were but so all heartbroken. And I said, well, you guys, the mice were getting into your food. The mice were in your beds. I'm like, you can either like keep them or we have to get rid of them somehow. But it was pretty funny because they were like, oh my gosh, we killed Mr. Mouse. Now what's his family going to do? And so and it reminds me of that. With 
with the tales, you know, the fairy tales and the Disney stuff about. Yeah, it just reminded me of that because they were they were really wanting to get rid of the mice until they actually got rid of one and then they freaked out. <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah, this is what you guys wanted us to do. And here it happened. So, but that's we have our friends, the gopher snakes, right? Oh. Um, and we love our snakes. It's like, come on in, you know, come on, you make yourself at home under that bush, you know, yeah. we have nice gophers for you. I mean, it's one of those years kind of like Australia where I, the, the rats, the mice and the gophers have taken over. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, and we think it might have to do with the fires. Not sure. Oh, yeah. In California there. Where we are, the fire came to within a quarter mile of our house. Wow. So we had to wait. Wow. So, yeah. So we're, we're all a little, you know, yeah. hinky. But, um, you know, when you live in a place like this, you it just all becomes part of your life. All these yeah. creatures. Yeah. So, so. so tell me... Um, maybe just practically, or maybe just some rules that you can give us, those of us that are wanting to eat better, wanting to have better health, you know, maybe some people that are overweight or on the verge of type two diabetes, which is really prevalent right now. Where do you tell them to start? Like, what is your practical advice for us that want to do better? I love that question because it's simple. And that the first place, the first thing I want you to do is quit sugar. I don't mean cut back. Uh, and, and the picture I want to paint for you is sugar is actually more addictive than heroin. There's lots of science behind that. And if I said to you, well, I'm addicted to heroin, but I'll cut back. I just want a little bit with my coffee in the morning. <laughs> right. What would you say to me? You know, listen, old lady. You're crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Just drop it like a hot rock. So quitting sugar does so many good things. Your kids need to not be eating this. Your parents need to not be eating this. Nobody, your dogs, nobody in your family or your circle should be eating sugar. And people go, well, fruit, no, no, no. I'm talking about processed cane sugar. And I am talking about everything that you eat in a package, a jar, a bag, I, I, you're going to hear my voice, whether you like it or not, next time you <laughs> and I want you to read that label. And I particularly want you to do, I did this with my kids, read it aloud. And then I would make them read it to me. And then I would say, do you really want to eat that? And of course they'd go, no, because what is that? Right. What is it? You don't know. And one of the things that came as a bit of a shock to me as I researched all of this over the past few years is to learn that there are people in buildings in New Jersey whose whole career is around engineering food for craveability. Have you heard that term? I, I guess I haven't heard it quite that way, but it makes sense. That, they want people to get addicted to it, right? Yeah. That's the industry term mm -hmm. on which you get judged. The quality of your work has to do with how craveable your products are because that's shareholder value. Wow. That means people keep buying and keep eating and they cannot literally stop eating. Let that sink in. 
you can't stop eating on purpose so that they increase their shareholder value. And you are buying that and eating it and you're feeding it to your kids. And I want you to stop. And you're making them rich. When you you could be rich. (laughs) Making you sick is making them rich. Just let that really sink in. And if you think I'm exaggerating, and I would understand if you did, uh, read Michael Moss's book, um, Hooked is one of them. There's been so many in the last few years, lots of good stuff written about this. I am not making it up. Right. And you all have been so busy taking care of your practice and taking care of your animals. I understand that you might have missed some of this stuff. So I'm telling you, first thing you do is you quit sugar, quit. And then you're going to whine about, well, what does that leave? Wait, if I can't eat anything in a package, it leaves everything good. Stuff you never thought to eat because you were so busy stuffing your mouth with pizza and Doritos. So you are not going to be able to eat. And by the way, pizza, number one addictive food in prepared foods. Everyone is addicted to pizza. Why? Because the crust is made of processed flour, which is higher on the glycemic index than cane sugar. It's just sugar. Processed white flour is sugar. So yes, you heard that right. You're going to first quit sugar. But so that means processed white stuff, all processed white stuff, flour type stuff. No. And you're going, okay, what do I eat then? Because yeah, I want you to stop eating animal products. No. And, and this is at first, if you want to just really smack into it. Now, where I have come back to that works extremely well for me is I eat no cow's milk products except yogurt, whole Greek yogurt with nothing in it but yogurt because it's fermented. It has a lot of good qualities. It has good fat. I'm not great fat, but okay fat. Um, And it's delicious and it lets you eat a lot of other things and it's fermented. So it's different than all the other uh, cow's milk products. So I don't do cow's milk. But different protein, y'all are animal people, you know this. You can eat sheep's milk or goat's milk cheese. And they're great. And you're gonna discover something. You're gonna go, well, how did I miss that? That's so great. Um, delicious stuff. And the cow's milk cheese you're buying is crap. Because you know, and I'm preaching to the choir, you know this. The way those animals are raised is an antithesis to everything you care about and believe in. Don't eat factory farmed food. Don't eat and don't let anybody you love eat factory farmed pork, uh, beef, sheep, nothing. Uh, But if you can find good, wholesome goat's milk, we have a goat dairy right here in town. So I get wonderful goat's milk products or you can get feta cheese uh sheep's milk cheese a lot of places and feta is one of my favorite ingredients uh for you know it has so much flavor for just a small amount of food so i'm 
I go off. <laughs> I'm sorry. Cause I want you to, no, eat that's this okay. Stuff. Like I, I want people to hear this because, you know, I, I think people have to realize that, you know, we, we can, we can continue to hear what to eat, what not to eat, but I really do like to hear somebody that lives that way and what it's done for them to help us be like, oh, okay, well that there's a reason for that. You know, there's a reason that, you know, it works and you feel better and you're healthier and, you know, your diabetes went away in your case. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the reasons I put eyeliner on for you this morning, is <laughs> which I just, did, <laughs> I like to say to people, I am 76 years old. This is what 76 looks like in my house. When you're healthy, when you're healthy. <laughs> Because you look right. fabulous. Well, thank you. And there's a little filter on here, right? A little bit of and the key. light. Yeah. And the, the ring light helps, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm 5'4 and I weigh 120 pounds. And that's one of the main things that you do need to do for heart health, for liver health, for diabetes, is to weigh an appropriate amount for your height. And, you know, it's not about fat shaming. It's not about body positivity, whatever. The fact of the matter is that if you have a lot of visceral fat, your body responds in a certain way and does certain things. And it is going to affect your liver and it is going to affect your blood glucose. And so the happy news is if you quit eating animal products, except the ones that I've discussed with you. If you do that, if you quit eating sugar, something really magical happens. The weight goes away. You can. It absolutely does. Like when yeah. I, when I eat well, I will drop weight. When I don't eat well, I will gain weight. Like it, there's no magic. I, I, there's no magic, right? It's you got to eat right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and if I had, I should have worn a show. I wanted to show you my guns because yeah. I, I, I work out right three <laughs> times and I love it. It's a social thing too, with some uh, girlfriends right here, not far from the house. It's a, it's a lovely part of my life. I really enjoy that, but you do have to get three days a week, at least of work up a sweat, you know, bring your cardio up a little bit. If you have an active, if you're vets and you're out there, big animals, you know, you may have a very active life anyway, and that's great, but it's also good for your mental health to set aside okay. a little bit of time for that walk or that workout or dancing, take a ballet class for Pete's sake. I took tap so much fun. I'm a tap um, dancer. I love tap. I yeah. still, I still take tap. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> It's so fun, right? Yeah, it's great it, fun. It's good for you your brain too. I always tell people dancing yes. is good for your brain because you have to like listen to the music and learn the steps. And then you have to figure out how to make your feet do what the steps are telling. Like, I think it's a good mental exercise. No pathways, right? And some of us are, are not great at it, but <laughs> we're having a great time. And right. who does that music and that feeling? And I love my tap shoes. Um, and my little fist, <laughs> it's been fun. But during that time, you're in another space. You know, it truly gives your brain and your gut a rest. Now, another thing I want to talk 
to everybody about. If you're you're hearing about it, you're seeing the news about intermittent fasting. Yeah, about- tell me about that because that my son does that. I've done it before. I I don't always do it, but I have done it. So tell us about that. I will because it makes a huge difference. And in the diabetes world, it's they're on fire with this because it it will absolutely reverse your diabetes. If you are doing the thing, the basic things we're talking about with your diet, want you stop eating crap. That's my main, stop my main eating crap. I like that. That should be the name stop. of your next book. <laughs> stop you, eating you, crap. <laughs> just don't eat crap, honey. Don't eat crap. Same yeah. with your kids. And that problem solved. Right. But the, but the other part of that is whatever you are eating, quit eating at least three or four hours before you go to bed. At yeah, least. I think that's a big thing. Um, I, I don't know how other vets feel about this, but this is this is one of my challenges is I don't eat a lot during the day because I'm working, you know, but when I get home from work after being there for 10 hours, like you really want to eat. And sometimes we don't get home from work until, you know, seven or eight at night or I'm coaching. And so then like at nine, I'm like, oh, I need to have dinner. It just doesn't work. Like, do you hear yourself? Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. Like I know, I know it is because I don't feel well when I go to bed with a full stomach. I don't feel well in the morning. Yeah. It's not good. You all are geeks to some extent because you've been through veterinary school. So I know you, and I know this is familiar to you in some ways. It's my favorite new word. I didn't know this word, but maybe you do. Autophagy. I don't know if I know that word. Oh, I'm so excited that Explain I it to me. <laughs> Probably everybody else out there knows it, but <laughs> maybe. Okay. Autophagy literally means self-eating. And what it means practically is that. that your cells have a job to do at night. And it, you know, and this also has to do with circadian rhythm, you know, and, and again with animals, you're familiar with this. Well, we are animals. And we want, our, our animal self wants to sleep when it's dark. And in order to sleep six, and you also know that you don't heal unless you are in deep sleep. You know this. But what I didn't know was that it, it's like the road crew. When the traffic goes away, the road crew comes out with their brooms and their shovels and their stuff, and they clean all night. If the traffic was still going, they couldn't do that. And it's the same exact thing going on in your body. If you are still digesting food or tossing down pizza in front of Jimmy Kimmel or somebody, <laughs> the night crew cannot come out. They're all standing by going, what the hell's wrong with it? You know, she, she just ate a pie. You know, we can't do a thing for her. And this autophagy is what keeps you alive. It's, it's getting rid of the junk. It's, it's taking the used up cells literally and eating them, repurposing them and then, and, and digesting and getting rid of the stuff that needs to go completely go. So it's this brilliant process that your cells are all programmed to do, which you are preventing them from doing by eating at night. So if that doesn't make you think, um, so to go back and I don't know if I, if I didn't listen or if, um, I interrupted you, but 
tell me what your intermittent fasting rule is like how many hours for fasting and and what they say is to get your autophagy working you need at least 16 to 18 hours of not eating which sounds horrendous until you go okay wait if my last meal is it three or four in the afternoon which is i eat in the middle of the day and then i might have just a little snack at two three four maybe sometimes the end of the day um so then 12 hours from that is four in the morning and then four more hours is eight in the morning that's not that hard that's doable right yeah, I'm a lark. So I like to eat in the morning and I like to go to sleep early, but so many people are fine not eating breakfast at all. Good. Great. Mm-hmm. No problem. Eat between noon and five or six. Great. No problem. And then go to bed at nine or 10. Fine. But nothing in front of the TV. And that's another thing, Julie, that I talk about when you are alone in a car eating out of a bag, that's not nourishing you. In no, any it's like a pass, I think of it as a pacifier. Like I think of that kind of snacking that we do as just kind of like dulling your emotions. And yeah. you know, that was something that I learned a lot about in, when I did my life coaching is, you know, that emotional eating that you do is not for nutrition at all. It's all trying to fix and your it's brain not your emotions it's no, not doing it doesn't thing. it makes it worse because then you're fat and then you you still have the same emotions but then you feel miserable because you're full of junk and you're fat you're full of crap <laughs> you're full of crap yeah yeah, yeah. so i quit that and and uh, not so much uh in the veterinary world but i talk to families a lot about you know, it, everybody's running around like crazy and you all have this demanding career. So the kids have to get to choir practice and baseball and all this stuff too. And so you give up. What do you give up? You give up your meals together at the table. So people are, and this, and I'm not making this up. People are sending their brilliant kids off to college at the age of 18 who don't know how to start or stop a conversation, or how to carry on a conversation, who don't know how to use utensils at the table, who don't know why anyone would have a cloth napkin, who don't know how to pass salt, who don't know how to argue civilly with people who... Okay. It's true. It's true. I'm like, I'm laughing because it's absurd, but it's true. I want to submit to you that baseball is less important to their happiness, their life, their success than knowing how to sit at a table and behave and eat and converse. I I mean, and I know I'm older than, you know, dirt, (laughs) but um, I was brought up sitting at a table for meals and, and I learned I was youngest. So I had to hold my own with a smarty pants, big brother and a mean big sister and a dad who knew everything and so on. So I had to, I was punching from below, but, but I had to learn those skills as a kid. I had to learn how to carry my weight socially at the table. And I also had to learn how to set that table, how to clean up that table, how to clean up the whole kitchen, how to make a meal and get it on the table. Whose kids are learning that now? And, 
you know, off they go to school and they, they can't even run the uh, washing machine, that, you know, to wash their little undies and stuff in. Um, I don't think it makes any sense to have a PhD in philosophy if you can't run a washing machine yeah. or carry a conversation with somebody. So, so that's my plea <laughs> to all of you as well. I want you to take care of yourselves. Stop eating crap. Feed yourself as well or better as you're insisting that your uh, patients eat, right? Yeah. Your patients feed their critters. Uh, no crap for anybody. Um, and no sugar and no processed foods. If it's in a bag or a box, it's probably not good. And in my book, I talk about reading the ingredients and uh, I give it quite a bit of space because people always go, yeah, yada, yada, yada. No, no, I, I want you to make this a practice because that one thing is going to change the way you think about food. And, um, and I have a, a spread where on the left is my donut recipe. I, and there are several donut recipes, by the way, in the book that are all fine. You'll love them. Your kids will love them. Super easy to make. You're going, wait, donuts? The book is called Brownies for Breakfast. And I mean it. My brownie <laughs> recipe is made with pumpkin, just good old pumpkin, nut butter, eggs or egg substitute, um, cocoa, just cocoa. Yeah. The difference is that it's sweetened with monk fruit. And I have a whole list of other sweeteners that are excellent that will work fine. You know, everybody's going, oh, I, you know, that equal, I can't, and Steve, yeah, I get the book or actually just go on my website and lynnbowman.com and sign up on Lynn's list. It's right on the front page. And I will mail you the brownie recipe and the um, list of sweeteners and, and what they are and why and so on. Free, no obligation. I will just mail that to you because I want you to have it so you'll stop eating crap. Yeah. Um, you're going to stop eating crap, but you're going to eat the brownie and you're going to go, wait, that's the best brownie I ever ate in my life. Yes, it is. It's <laughs> fantastic. It has no sugar, no flour. The only oil in it is from the nut butter. And you're going, wait, that means there's protein and good fat and a vegetable. Yes. And it's a freaking brownie. <laughs> it's delicious. So and there's a way to do it. You can absolutely, but okay, here's the caveat. Here's the bad news. You ready? Somebody has to cook. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that, that I, you know, I, what I like when you say read the labels, what I like about that is I think that even if you started doing that, you would slow down. Because I think a lot of our problems come from that rushing and it's like we rush in from work and we just want something to eat because we haven't eaten all day. And then we just grab the bag or the, you know, like jar of nuts or whatever that's sitting there and we just start shoveling them in. But I think if you took a minute to stop and look at the label and then make your choice, you probably would. You probably would make a better choice. You will. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to, if you've got kids, it's not about what you say to the kids. It's what you do. If you do it, they take that as, well, mom does it. So that's got to be okay. So I just want to remind you of that. Um, you know, that 
but there's nothing complicated about any of this. It's just making the decision. And people so often ask me, well, yeah, but food's gone up. And, you know, when you eat this way, if you're, if you're having to go and source fresh food and grasp and everything, so expensive. No, it's not. I'm sorry. No. Celery has always been cheap. And it's cheap. <laughs> And, you know, even arugula and some of these things. Um, and when all the brouhaha happened about, you know, you had to, the the um, pandemic was coming and the shelves were empty and it's where are you going? Well, I was totally alone in the produce department and there was all the food you could possibly eat in the produce department. No problem, right? They were just it, cleaning out the, the prepackaged stuff, right? The, <laughs> The crap aisles were distressed, but the produce department was just fine. Nice. Somebody does have to make something, but every in my book, it's all, it's your eight-year-old can do it. Your 85-year-old cranky daddy can do it. Yeah. It's not hard. It's not complicated. I don't even measure. I'm not good about measuring or anything, Julie, you know. <laughs> uh, That's good because I'm not either, so. <laughs> I, I and to kind of riff on stuff. It's like, well, I don't have any of this. So, you know, the, but I think that's the way a lot. And so that's the way the book is written. Nice. It's, it's for those of us who want to get her done and we don't want to spend a whole lot of money doing it and we want to do it fast. And so circling back to the business about eating at the table, I just want everybody to walk away thinking too, what matters more for me, for my family, for my health, even for for my health as it affects my patients and their human um, guardians, what matters more? Where should I spend my time? You know, what is it? And we have completely thrown eating out as a thing that matters because That's we're just so busy. Yeah, doing all the rest of this stuff. And also because and, and you all in this business you care ethically about how animals are raised you know how whether they're eaten or not or whatever how they're cared for you're deeply caring people so eating ethically guess what turns out to be eating healthy and taking better care of your spirit and your body so what's more important than that yeah, I don't know. I what agree it. with you so much. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a great cook, but I do. When I do settle in to do it, if if it's a reasonable recipe, I enjoy it. I think it's I think it's good for your mental health in a way to to prepare the food it's, and then sit down with your family for sure, right? Yes, and I'm going to grab this because I thought I usually have it right next to me, but I'm always waving it around. So this is the book, and yeah. it's very colorful. Oh, there's your my pretty pictures. There's your donuts. Okay, but what this is, these are the ingredients in a certain popular drive-through donut. Okay. These are the ingredients in my donuts. Nice. So that short you, list is yours and that whole page is the Krispy yes. Kreme or whatever. I don't know what company. Now you said that. I didn't. <laughs> um, I know. I might get in trouble for that. They might kick me off of YouTube. <laughs> and very small type, you'll see. Right. So yeah. Plus, I would defy you to actually pronounce most of what's on this list. Right. 
Nice. Or even, wait, what was that? Um, and so this is the famous brownie. This is Mimi's Badass Brownies. Oh, I love that. And I'm going to get your book and make those. <laughs> good. And I also, people ask me who took the photographs. Yeah. That's pretty nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. Good apricots. Oh my gosh. This is just one of the most divine things in the world. Well, I took them. And the reason I took them with my iPhone is because I wanted you to be able to go, well, if she can make food that looks like that, <laughs> uh, it wasn't a stylist in there putting oil on stuff, you know, to make it look Yeah, because a lot of times in the cookbooks, you make something and it doesn't look the same. Okay. This is rhubarb, the pink dessert vegetable. I like to think of it as celery and drag. Yeah, that's cool. My grandma uh, used to make rhubarb, something out of rhubarb, and it was so good. And it grew like right across the street from her house. She'd go over there and pick it. And then come home and make it. And it was so good, but I've never cooked with rhubarb. Well, you know why your grandma did that? Because it was free mm -hmm. and it's still free. Once you yeah. plant the puppies, they will just grow and grow. Oh, here's another favorite. Your grandma probably made lemon curd too. Oh, did you grow up eating lemon curd, which is the I same thing? No, so. I don't remember eating that. My grandma was Polish. So anything that was Polish, okay. we ate. <laughs> Is lemon curd Polish? I don't think so. English, I think. Yeah, um, yeah probably. Pear upside down K. Nice. So you are not going to starve to death. Yeah. So, so when you're telling us no sugar and then you're showing us all these desserts, I think that's a good point because, you know, everybody thinks, oh, I'm going to suffer and I'm never going to have anything sweet in my mouth again. But you've got like all these desserts in your cookbook, which are healthy. Pies. It's all in here. Yeah. Um, and the basic stuff. So you can go, well, wait a minute, I could make this kind of pot. Yeah, you can just do it with this. Kind of, you know. yeah. And then uh, stuff that may be slightly unfamiliar. Here's cowgirl caviar. Oh, That's nice. me. Aw, is that your horse? Yeah. Nice. Uh, but it's a thing that even kids who don't like food to touch, you know how kids are calling Yeah. It's look at the color. Yeah, yeah it's pretty. It's gorgeous. it's gorgeous. And it is super. Super healthy, super easy. Um, here is a two-ingredient recipe. You ready? Sounds like I could handle that. Okay. This is my tahini dressing that makes any kind of salad fabulous. Two ingredients. What are they? You want to know, don't you? Yeah, I do. Do I have to buy the book? <laughs> yep. But I'll tell you, because we're friends now. Um, it's tahini. Plus really good vinegar. Oh. Done. Okay. And you can put salt and pepper on it if you want. But these are the things that people, you've got your fridge is full of those crappy purchased dressings. Right. If you will read the ingredients on those awful dressings that you've, plus they've been in there for how long? How many months? Yeah. Yeah. And they're full of sugar. I know that. And they're just, they're, they're not good food. Mm -hmm. And look what you can, I mean, when you taste this tahini dressing, you'll go, Wow, I made that with two ingredients. Um, here's mac and cheese. Everybody likes mac and cheese. Who doesn't love mac and cheese? And this is better than whatever you've been making. And you're going, how in the heck does she make that out of, okay. Um, I use brown rice pasta. 
So no it's gluten-free. Gluten-free. That's good for me because I, I don't do well with gluten. <laughs> Nobody does well with gluten. And we have a country full of people who are eating nothing but. When you think about- the, I think that's the, how it happens, right? Like I think we've eaten it for so long and then we become allergic to it or intolerant or like I, it's only been in the last, I don't know, five or six years that I discovered that it was a problem for me. And it probably was a problem before that. I just didn't realize it. And Julie, it's a problem for everybody. Mm -hmm. It's not just you. Right. Most Americans are eating white bread in some form two or three or four times a day. Yeah. Mm. And they're eating ground beef or um, pepperoni. Right? <laughs> you know, pepperoni is probably the worst. It's so greasy. I mean, if you allow yourself to see the data, you know, you, you all are medicals. You know that preserved meat products are cancer causing. Yeah. We've got the receipts. We've got the data. They cause cancer and you're still eating them. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Why is that? Awesome. Who benefits from that? Um, okay. So my mac and cheese is made with brown rice pasta, cauliflower. Mm, I love vegetables. Uh, vegan. I, I, there's some very good vegan feta cheeses on the market. If you're vegan, I've tried many and they're good. Um, there's also good vegan cheddar that's in here. Um, and also vegan mozzarella, provolone, parmesan. Put some of that in here. Uh, salt and pepper. Truffle salt, one of my secret ingredients that makes so many things really good. I talk about that in the book. Dijon mustard. Yeah. And um, some multigrain chips if you have them. Uh, you know, if you get a really good quality uh, chip, they're available out there. You can put them on top. And nutritional yeast flakes. That's my mac and cheese. And I have never had a complaint. I mean, kids, you don't you don't say, here, kids, have some healthy macaroni right. cheese. Yeah, don't say that. Just put it on the table. Here, honey, yeah. here's your favorite mac and cheese. They don't know it's full of cauliflower. Right. You know, and if you tell them later, they'll end up bragging to their friends about it. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's like, I just ate a whole bunch of cauliflower. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, Great. You know, that's it works. So it, so these are all, you can tell these are simple. And here's another trick. What you keep in the fridge for yourself. This is called simple slaw. And if you have coleslaw in the fridge, you come tearing in the house, you're starving, you don't know what to do for dinner. Eat some coleslaw right now. Or make a yeah, grill. That's good. I like it. Every, and, and mine is great. Gotta tell you, it's really good. I mean, uh, uh potluck dinners, mm -hmm, I've been told your coleslaw was the very best. So awesome. um it is awesome. And it's it's little tricks like that that instead of grabbing crackers or you know, sweets or something, grab some coleslaw. You like it, have a few bites of it, and your stomach will go, okay. You can also make grilled coleslaw and vegan cheese sandwiches. Out if you if you're able to get good bread, and here's how I define good bread: sourdough, whole grain, and if you have a bakery where they use heritage wheat, 
so not the kind of wheat that's been bred with the you know the modern breeding it's the old kind of it's what your grandma ate the kind of wheat that she ate it's very different chemically than the wheat that they're growing now for mass production breads um so we've got it i mean of course san francisco you would expect uh there's a great bakery or two um in santa cruz california but they're all around so look yeah. for a bit that's really baking responsibly and and it's delicious it's yeah. so you can freeze it so i could go on oh and smoothies you know what what really works in smoothies yes good food here's here's what i'm making when i'm done with this show i'm going to go in the kitchen and make summer squash casserole because i want to eat up we've got some really great summer squash a variety of it in the fridge that we bought at the farmer's market and it's just onions and squash and some cheese and some truffle salt Cook it up and and then you've got this whole casserole that you can eat for days or freeze some of it or whatever mm. so this is this is not like what would i call it haute cuisine you know it's kind of <laughs> Us regular folks can make it, right? Us us working mothers and working folks that are at work all day can make these easy recipes. And, and I also make them on Sunday and eat them all week, right? Yeah. And and there's a soup recipe in here that you do just that. You make it on the weekend and then you can make six things out of it during the week. It's fantastic. It's called genius soup. But I I love reading those stories about the the celebrity chef when he's asked, what do you eat? When, when it's late and everybody's gone and you know, you're know you starving, what do you eat? Well, it's always this stuff. It's what my grandma made me, right? Yeah. It's beans, you know, it's, uh, and there's a recipe in here for, I lived in France for a while and there's a recipe in here for cassoulet. If anybody knows what that is, it's a very traditional French dish that is cheap and easy to make. And it's made with lentils usually. Oh, good. There you are. Nice. All right. So before we wrap up, first of all, I want you to tell us where people can find you and where they can find your book. But also, is there anything that we didn't say that is important that we missed? Oh, my gosh. I think there are lots of things. <laughs> but well, we can um, do another we can do another hour um, on another day. I if we I hope we can back into this, I just, I think this is great information. And I think it's just going to make us think more when we're, when we're eating, when, when we're eating, what we're eating. Yeah. All good stuff. Well, some of my favorite people in the world are veterinarians. Um, and so such I, good people. I have a special place in my heart for those of y'all, those of us who are bonded to critters. Uh, in very deep ways. Um, you're my kind of people. So, but I know you and I know you neglect yourselves. Mm -hmm. It's a big reason I do this podcast, trying to talk us into taking better care of ourselves. And you got to do it with food and movement and sleep. We didn't talk next time. We'll, we'll talk more about okay, sleep. Okay. We'll do another podcast about sleep because that's a really good subject. That's one that I'm very, I'm very bad sleeper. Like I, I always say I hate sleep, so you can maybe fix that for me. Absolutely, we will fix you right up. Yeah, you'll have to fix me up. Yeah. yeah. All right. So also, 
Oh, go ahead. I want book. And so when I get back to you in two weeks or four weeks or whenever it is, you can tell me what you've made and what you yes, think. Yes, that's a great idea. Okay, well, I'll definitely get the book. Um, tell people where to find it again. Okay, uh, Amazon or go to, so it's Brownies for Breakfast, a cookbook for diabetics and the people who love them. And that means everybody. Um, and you can get it from your independent bookseller, which I would encourage you to do. Just ask them. And they'll say, well, I don't have, no, order it for me because they can get it from their wholesaler. Ingram Spark is where they buy books and they can get it. And and that's the same as, as ordering it on Amazon. Except if you order it on Amazon, then you can write a review for the book, which I love. It really helps other people see what the book really is when right. you view. Okay. So, um, and it's, it, my website is lynnbowman.com. L-Y-N-N-E-B-O-W-M-A-N.com. So, so sign up on my list right now so I can send you the brownie recipe and send you the, the uh, piece about sweeteners so you can stock up on what you need to start cooking this way. Uh, because, of course, you're, you're not eating crap anymore. No more. No more sugar. The crap is done. A, We're done with the crap. Done. Yep. And, yeah, there will be a quiz. So, Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been fun. I've really enjoyed talking to you. We'll definitely want to do it again and I'll get the book. I want to make the brownies. That that's that sounds amazing. They're, they're really great. Okay, yeah. Julie. Sounds good. All right. Have a beautiful week, everyone. And go go buy Lynn's book. <laughs> eat better. Don't eat any sugar this week. All right. Bye everyone. Don't eat crap. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Lynn. Bye.